Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, Jesus Christ, who is risen, just as he said. In Acts 13, the Christians at Antioch decided that they should send missionaries into the West, into what is now the land or the country called Turkey. Paul and Barnabas were the men that they chose for this trip. And so they headed down to the Mediterranean Sea and followed or, and went down to find a ship that was going to the island of Cyprus. If you want to follow along, there's a map on the front of your bulletin. As we go through the narrative, I'm not going to give you the distances between each of these places, but I think it is helpful to understand just how far they traveled. The first leg of the journey from the mainland to Cyprus crossed about 100 miles of Mediterranean Sea. And then later on, with this, when this whole trip had been done, when they had gone all the way to the city of Derby and then back again to Antioch, Paul and Barnabas found that they had traveled somewhere around 1,200 miles, some of it by boat, but most of it on foot. For a little perspective, I'd be like walking from Eau Claire to Detroit and back. Now, after landing on the island of Cyprus, Paul and Barnabas traveled west through the whole island until they got to the other side. And then they hopped onto another boat and went northeast to the mainland again, and then headed up to a city called Antioch. They had come from Antioch in Syria, and now they had arrived in Antioch of Pisidia. Now, all along this journey that they've been taking, they hadn't just been traveling. They had been telling people about Jesus. They had been telling them that the Messiah that God had long promised to send, he had finally come. His name was Jesus. He came from Nazareth. And the way that they would typically do it is when they would come to a town, if it had a synagogue, they would go to that synagogue on the Sabbath day. And then among people who knew the Old Testament promises about the Savior, they would witness. They would explain how the promised Savior, all those prophecies about him matched up with what Jesus had done in his life. They would say things like from Acts 13, Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes in him is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. And if the people were listening and it seemed like there was an open door for the gospel in a particular city, Paul and Barnabas would stay there for a time. It ended up taking somewhere around a couple of years before they got done with this trip. Now, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior tried to prevent people from turning to the gospel. And they got political about it. Paul and Barnabas were actually expelled 
from Pisidian Antioch and from the surrounding district. And in Iconium, Paul and Barnabas discovered that there was a plot to stone them to death. And so they fled from that town to a, a barren region called Lycaonia. And that's where we take up our reading for today. We read from Acts 14, verses 8 through 22. In Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet, had never walked, and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. When the crowds saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, People, why are you doing these things? We are people just like you, and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is our reading for today. May the Holy Spirit bless our study of it. Amen. So here's a description of the region of Lycaonia that, that Paul and Barnabas entered. This is from Smith's Bible Dictionary. Lycaonia is for the most part a dreary plain, bare of trees, destitute of fresh water, and with several salt lakes. Doesn't exactly sound pleasant. This is the land that Paul and Barnabas found themselves in after they had fled for their lives from Iconium. 
And this, this wasn't an exaggeration. They had discovered that there was a plot to stone them to death. And for what? I mean, Paul and Barnabas weren't traveling across the country robbing banks. They weren't harming people. They were speaking about Jesus in the open. But now they had come to this dreary landscape, to a town full of people that did not trust in the God of the Bible. And here's the question that I would ask you today. Why? Why leave the safety of their home in Antioch? Why board a ship? Why walk a thousand miles? Why face the anxiety of public speaking? Why continue when you had been expelled from the last region? Why continue when people were plotting to murder you because of what you were saying? And then in Lystra, Paul was actually stoned by a mob of people. They threw rocks at him until he was unconscious and they thought he was dead. Why continue after that? Why, why keep going east to the next town? And then after all of this, why in the world would you turn around and then go back into these same towns that had just spit you out? If you look at that map, Paul and Barnabas, by this time, they've done kind of a big looping C shape. If they wanted to throw in the towel, they could have just kept going east to Tarsus, where Paul was from, and then a little further to Antioch, where they had begun. It would have been shorter. But they didn't do that. They turned around, and they went right back into the fire. Why? I think we see a glimpse of the answer in Paul and Barnabas' reaction to the crowd in Lystra when they tried to sacrifice to them. Listen again to the words that they said. People, why are you doing these things? We are people just like you. And we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, and filling you with food, and your hearts with joy. Why come all this way to Lystra? Because the truth. You might have seen this one before. I've got a jar full of jelly beans here. Inside this jar, there are 1,390 jelly beans. I know, because I counted them. Now, you could say, you could say that there are only 1,000 jelly beans in this jar. 
but you would be wrong. You could say that there are 5,000 jelly beans in this jar, but again, you would be wrong. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. There are 1,390 jelly beans in this jar. That's how the truth works. The people in Lystra thought that Zeus was a god, a real god that they could pray to and that would answer their prayers, not just someone that you read about in some book at the library. But they were wrong. And when God, the true God, caused a miracle to happen through Paul, the people there in Lystra thought that Paul must be a god. But again, they were wrong. You see, Paul and Barnabas were upset because they had come to tell the people the truth about the real living God, not just truth about jelly beans, but the truth about the Creator and the Savior. The God of the Bible is the one who made this world. He's the one who blesses us with good things. He's the one who caused that miracle of the crippled man being able to walk again to happen. And way back in the beginning, when the world had been made perfect by God, when the universe had been created perfect by Him, God wasn't the one who broke it. That was mankind. Mankind rebelled against God with the freedom that he had been given. And man brought death and suffering into the world. That was part of the truth that Paul and Barnabas had brought to Lystra. But they had also brought good news. The good news that God had promised to rescue sinners from this broken world that he had promised to send a Savior who would pay for our sins and make it possible for us to live in communion with God again forever. That is why Paul and Barnabas had come so far. They had the truth that connects people to God. They had the gospel about how the Son actually did come down in human form. He became one of us and then lived for us, and died for us, and rose for us. The eternal Son of God came to rescue these people in Lystra too. And if they were going to get reconnected to God, the God who had made them, then they needed to hear the gospel message. They needed the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts, faith in Jesus. As sinners, we don't always care about the truth. Sometimes we care more about what we want. But Jesus overcomes our sinful nature by his love. No sinner ever deserved to have the eternal Son of God suffer hell for their sins, but that's what he did. And this message of what he did and who he is, that works in our hearts and it changes things. It changes us.
This truth about who Jesus is and what he had done, it moved Paul and Barnabas to go on this crazy journey. The love of of God that he had for them moved them to board a boat and walk a thousand miles and a lot of other things. All of those sins that that Jesus had suffered for, that he had taken away from them, motivated Paul and Barnabas to turn around at Derby and to go back through the cities that they had been spit out of because there were Christians there, new Christians, infant Christians, who needed their faith to be nourished and encouraged because faith, like any other living thing, if you don't feed it, if you don't nourish it, it'll die. All the lies of the devil and the hardships of this world surround our faith and they try to smother it. And Paul and Barnabas weren't going to let that happen if they could help it. In fact, they went back to those new Christians and they told them a hard truth. They said, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, they said, We're here now, and heaven is somewhere in the future. Jesus has opened it up for us. But between here and there, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering and heartache, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. The devil will make sure of that. But don't let that turn you away from trusting God's promise of forgiveness in life. Because this dying world will not be around forever. But because of him, because of Jesus, our risen Savior, we will. There are hard truths. God tells us about these in the Bible. He says things like, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says, the soul that sins shall die. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He says, these will go away into eternal punishment. But there are also glad truths. God's word tells us about these also. He says things like, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus says to his people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. All things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Jesus says, because I live, you also shall live. And in Revelation, it says, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. These glad truths are God's promises to his followers. 
Trust in him. Maybe we can't all be foreign missionaries like Paul and Barnabas. Maybe we can't all walk a thousand miles. But we can all speak the truth. The truth about sin and the truth about Jesus, our Savior. We can speak this truth to ourselves because we need to hear it over and over. We can speak it to our families and our friends and to the random stranger we run into. And why? Because the truth. Our sin is part of the truth, but the greater truth that overcomes our sin is Jesus. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.